Legacy Stories is about immigrants knowing that they're not alone. Legacy Stories is about remembering and honoring where we came from. Legacy Stories is about other people learning about us from our stories. Legacy Stories is about healing generational trauma in community to help us dream bigger and live as ourselves. That is Legacy Stories. Hey everybody, welcome to Legacy Stories. This is Maria, Kuwait cool here, and we have another special guest, my friend Christine, who is currently in New Zealand, and I am so excited to introduce you to her. We spent six months last year in coach training together, and it's just, you know, it's really interesting being on the opposite ends of the world. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. Kind of, sort of, right? <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. Welcome, Christine. Thank you. Welcome, and uh, yeah, happy to be here and excited to talk about the legacy stories. Okay. Do you want to just tell us something about, um, well, you know what, let's start with your immigration story. Tell us how you are an immigrant. Mm, okay. Well, I've lived in New Zealand uh, most of my life. And when I were, I actually worked for a government department for years and years, 17 years. And I decided I wanted to get out of that and decided that I wanted to get out into the private sector and I wanted an adventure. I decided actually that I wasn't going to have children and I decided I needed an adventure. And so I decided that I was going to, uh, with my partner, to move to Australia to have an adventure career-wise, uh, you know, lifestyle-wise, and to meet new people and do new things and uh, make the most of my life. If it wasn't going to be about having children, you know, I wanted to make it about uh, really cool stuff that I could learn and grow and become more. So I decided to move to Australia. Hmm. Cool. That's an adventure, isn't it? <laughs> snakes and uh, you know all these creatures that I didn't expect so <laughs> that's so cool that your kids get to experience that too like live through that with their mom no I, I decided not to have children so I had no children oh. yes so that was my my decision I decided not to have children but if I wasn't going to have children I wanted to have a bigger line oh oh you know, that's kind of a dream in itself, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly. amazing. <laughs> so why Australia, out of the whole world? Why did you move to Australia from New Zealand, not somewhere else? Well, I guess uh, <clears throat> I wanted to be not too far away from family, you know, and mm. leaving family, uh, for me, my family, my siblings, my mum, uh, was was a big deal and so for, it was for my partner so uh, you know leaving them was big but I decided that Australia wasn't that far away and I'd come back regularly that never happened I, I didn't see them very often while I was away hmm. it becomes it becomes everybody gets tied into their life and then you just kind of you don't get to see them as much as you plan to 
you know, and Kua can Kua can tell about this too because she has all her siblings fairly close, right, Kua? Um, I know my sister-in-law, she always, she lives about 40 minutes away from us. And she always says, oh, you guys should live closer to me. And I'm like, no, I want to live closer to Chicago. I don't want to live closer to you. You're further from Chicago, right? <laughs> She's like, but we would stop more and we would see each other more. I'm like, no, we would not. If it's 30 minutes or 40 minutes or 50 minutes, it's just like your life wraps you up. So even when you're closer, you really don't see them as much as you think you're going to see them, right? Like we mostly see each other on holidays, to be honest. We talk to each other and we see each other sometimes on the weekends, but even when you're close to them, everybody has kids that are different ages. All the kids are wrapped up in their own things. So you don't get that. And Kula, how is it for your family? Do you guys see each other as much as you kind of, a lot or not so much or I feel like like if we're intentional about seeing each other then we see each other like a lot but for sure we at least see each other on a weekly basis and because my sister and I we live like 10 minutes apart she'll text me like today she just texted she knew that I made cookies so she was she texted me she's like you know I'm feeling like I want to eat something sweet can you just send if you're coming my way just send some like bring me some cookies so it's it's like so fun to yeah. be able to do things like that right and like uh, uh my daughter and her son they're kind of close in age and they're really close so then we'll always be like okay uh Kenzie's board can you bring Paxton over or Paxton's board can you bring Kenzie over so it's really fun in that aspect that they the cousins they get to grow up with each other like I never mm-hmm. got that in yeah. my childhood so yeah able to experience that I think that's one of the the benefits of living close to family if you have children yeah I can understand that absolutely I was very close with my cousins as well so I absolutely understand it yeah yeah (laughs) so did you have adventures then tell us about your adventures in Australia so um well I imagined this uh, adventure uh but it was like in anything in life it's uh you know always some fantastic stuff and some stuff that's not so great and uh I hit the the half staff pretty quick I uh I got over there we managed to find ourselves a house to rent uh my my partner had to go back and get our dogs so he he went over to get the dogs and bring them back over and uh I was left in this house uh for a week by myself which is fine I was like ah, that's cool but then I got sick started throwing up I was living on on an air bed (laughs) and it went flat and I was sick, no one there. And I was like, (laughs) I thought I'd gone mad. I was like, oh no, I I shouldn't have done this. This is such a bad choice. I think I'll go home now. (laughs) So that that was, uh, you know, the, the, one of the tough, times and then other t- other times it was so exciting it, I felt like I was in ho- on holiday for months like a year at least I was on holiday all the time it just felt exciting and um amazing so I I love that and uh you know th- there's all the ups and downs when you when you immigrate as an adult and you're looking for work because I had nowhere to live uh no career I didn't know anybody in that city, not a person. And so 
that that whole triangle of none of that, you know, all uncertainty, so much uncertainty, right? And and so I didn't have my own back in that uncertainty though at the time. I, I doubted myself. I didn't think I would be able to cope. I didn't know uh, when I'll get a job. But, you know, I wanted that certainty because, but because I wasn't backing myself and my own, you know, having my own back, it was a tough time. I spent eight months looking for a job uh, on, my, on the phone to my mum. <laughs> And, you know, so there was a whole lot of those kind of moments and also exploring and going and having our first Christmas away from our families and our whole life, uh, you know, and it was amazing because we met all these people on the road uh, who were, you know, having this amazing lifestyle. And uh, and so it set, it set a tone that is how I'm going to retirement when I get there it's like uh you know I met those people who were having this wonderful lifestyle and so it was a good learning curve as well so there's ups and downs right it's a it was a ups and downs time well, how long Just have like you been there? sorry how long have you been there now well I re-immigrated <laughs> So I actually, um, after, you know, well, I had it, I eventually found an amazing job, the best, one of the best jobs I've ever had. And I worked for a big American company, actually GE, General Electric. And um, I learned so much. And it was a real eye-opener for me. I'd come from New Zealand culture, New Zealand companies, uh, actually government, and then went to a large multinational like GE with a very strong US-based culture. Mm-hmm. And then there was me and who I was and who those people were and how that melding of those three things came together was fascinating because their cultures um, are within companies, but they're also within countries. And so... I was trying to figure out this whole thing and what was the culture of the company. And my, my own opinion was at the time that I found it really, really hard that all these um, Americans uh, didn't seem to want to hear any uh, story that ended in, oh, that will be hard. <laughs> they, they wanted to, uh, you know, always know, uh, yeah, you've got you to do it. It's not about your problems and doing it. So what I learned was a lot better uh, to be really positive about, yeah, I'm going to do this. It's going to be hard. I need to figure it out. So I learned to apply my brain a lot better at, at options and ideas and iterations and trying things and uh, putting something out there and seeing how it goes and be willing to fail more. And so that was... I don't know whether it was GE or the people or, or me or what, but it was a great place to learn. And I also love Australian culture. It was amazing. That was so um, eclectic compared to what I'm used to. I mean, you, in New Zealand, we have a lot of Pacifica uh, culture and a, a lot of Asian influence, which is awesome. So, so that's 
kind of the cauldron that I came from. And then you go to Australia where it's, uh, it's you know, a part of the culture is coming from the convicts who were, were arrived in Australia and the, and the hard lives that they had and the background that they have. And then a lot of European uh, immigrants, a Greek, Italian, uh, you know, a lot of different cultures in Australia, but very different to New Zealand. So it was like a melting pot of both, both of those. And uh, it was an amazing experience. I loved my time in Australia. But at the end, the family thing drew me back. Uh, my mum got sick uh, with breast cancer. And then my partner's mother got sick. And we had enjoyed our adventure. And then you, we had to question ourselves, uh, what are we staying for? We can go home for family or we can stay. Either, either is an option because we can travel. But what do we really want? And for me, the idea of, uh, of traveling back to New Zealand and then starting a career in that private sector that I'd been afraid to enter when I was in New Zealand, but now I was ready. Because I'd been there, I'd done that, I knew more, I was more capable. That's, that's why I was able to return to New Zealand and feel confident and feel like it was going to be a great experience. Hmm. Wow. How many <laughs> years did you end up living in, uh, in Australia? Three and a half. Well, that's three a good years. adventure. Yeah, it was, it was. <laughs> uh, and I was there for three years, loving the, every minute. And then it just suddenly, because you can never predict the future, is one of the things that I learned, is that you can think, oh, I'm going to Australia and now I'm going to stay forever. And then three years later, actually, hmm, no, I think I'll go home. <laughs> and, and I learned that, just don't try to predict the future, uh, you know, just do what is right now, right now. And um, yeah, so it was right for me to go home. And now I'm so happy that I had that experience because I've got a whole lot of uh, Australian um, ex-colleagues. I know quite a few people across the world from my experience with a multinational and um, that's, that's fantastic for me in terms of who, what I know and who I'm in contact with. And yeah, so I'm so happy that I had the guts to get up, get out, of, get out of New Zealand, go try something different, have an adventure, learn lots, and still feel great about coming home. That's such a good story. I love it. Oh, it's <laughs> You said something that really um, pricked my ears. You you talked about okay, we 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 asked like, what do we really want? Mm. It was when your your mom got sick, and then your partner's uh, mom got sick too. And I'm just like, wow, that's like a really powerful question. And I think that that's one that a lot of immigrants face. Like mm. eventually, they're going to come face to face with that question, like, "What do I want?" Mm. Because I think, as an immigrant, like you, there is a lot of imposter syndrome there. I know, like, growing up in America, there's the whole like American dream thing. Mm. So it's like, okay, going after that, but is that really what I want? And what do I say that that dream is? Mm. And to add to that, Maria mm. or Christina. Mm. Or Christina 
Miranda, what's um, your one? Tell me too. I, I I can I can take a stab at it. <laughs> I'm like, it is a really it is a good question. It kind of popped into my head, but I really liked the other question that you asked at the end, which really got my brain going. Was like, what do I want to do right now? Because sometimes we make those decisions and then we grow and evolve and we become different people. So what you want to do later is not what your original plan was. And the thing is what I think happens sometimes in the society and with the beliefs we have, we don't give ourselves the permission to change our mind. I do know a few immigrants, but percentage wise, it's a very, very, very small percentage that gave themselves a permission to go back, to be like, this is no longer what I want. And, or even like to move states, right? Like to go somewhere where there's not a huge community or to try something new, because somehow we make that decision originally. And then later we kind of stay, maybe even stuck in it. We're scared to ask, what do I want to do now? We don't want to change the status quo. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I love the uh, point you both of you are making. And I think, you know, I think in, in my own head now about things like a business plan or a life plan, you know, you have a 10 year goal, it's out there, it's on the horizon, it's an island of, you know, where you want to be and what do you want to have. And so you start iterating, iterating your life and, you know, moving along, learning some new things, experiencing some new things finding things that you didn't like so much, things that you do like more, uh, you keep iterating. And suddenly that uh, future becomes cloudy. <laughs> like, ooh, okay, but now I know that this is the case and I've learned that and it's, it's not knowing the how, right? We don't know the how things are going to evolve. That vision can be re-clarified. And look slightly different. Actually, it wasn't that island we're going to. It was the other one. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, it's like, uh, and my time frame, oh, it wasn't actually this. It's that time frame. You know, it's like a, a, trying to make sure you have your island, clear, let, part the clouds, re-see the island, make sure it's the right island, and then start iterating again. And if you never get to that island but you keep iterating along the way and learning and growing and you bring that island to now and what you're doing who you are what you're doing and how you're doing it and then you're always on that island and you're constantly moving and growing I like that like the now concept is something that um, is hard for me a lot of times because you're living in the past because of uh, parent parental expectations, like all dealing with all that, like the generational type stuff. And then you're so forward focused because there, there are big dreams and the big goals of like, okay, this is what I want. Yeah. And then there's the now. Yeah. 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 And, and for me, um, you know, I, I trained as a yoga teacher. That was another one of my adventures. And uh, and so for me, I use a lot of technique around meditation, um, you know, presence. Uh, presence as a coach is another tool to, 
keep pulling yourself back into the now and how your body's feeling and what you're doing and how you're being as a person. Uh, all those techniques are great to help us to ground ourselves and our bodies, which I think is incredibly important. So what do you do now? Tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> so what do I do now? I, um, I I've taken my background in a lot of different things and put them uh, put together in uh, three for three things that I focus on. I focus on on leaders and what how they um, spend their time with their loved ones, what they do in that time that they have with their loved ones. I spend uh, time for leaders on their health, emotional, uh, physical, yeah, and mental health. So, and then the third element that I focus on, uh, you know, including the loved ones and the health, is the self-leadership. How do they lead their life? You know, what is this island that they're going to? What are the iterations that they're taking every single day that actually is the learning path to the island? And that's that's what I do as, as a coach for business leaders, uh, whether they're in corporate or own their own business. Nice. That's like a whole <laughs> package. Your island now and know what the next <laughs> island is. <laughs> But that's like a whole big package. That's very cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it like all it's in one. Yeah, 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 all in one. It's like I think those three segments are the things that I have found uh, in my life and also from the study and research. Uh, like you both, I, I'm, I'm a voracious reader and researcher and I'm really interested in, in those things. But I think the belonging, uh, you know, the leading yourself, and how you treat your body and uh, and your mind and you know your emotional well-being, those, those getting that core right lets you you know your own island <laughs> if you like uh, you know lets you have it now and and see the future and create more impact you know hence the ripples mm. ripples of change. That come from you to get you your island right that sets that path to the next island okay so i have another question now that kind of came up as we were talking about this being raised <laughs> in new zealand tell me what is your favorite kind of characteristic that you think you've picked up growing up there I think uh, there's there's a there's a there's a I think my my takeaway from New Zealand culture <clears throat> is a DIY culture. Do it yourself. So um, it's a very <clears throat> it's quite an individualistic culture where I compare it to say um, some other cultures like Pacifica and Maori culture, for example, in New Zealand is very co a collective and community-based culture, which, you know, I know there are others and perhaps even uh, some of your cultures, uh, they're more collective. But in New Zealand, it's a very DIY culture. So it's um, 
do it yourself, make it happen, grind away. If you're having problems, then <laughs> you just need to solve it yourself. Now, it has been a, a very good base for New Zealand in terms of innovation. We um, outstrip uh, so many countries in terms of our technology, in terms of our um, innovation, uh, in things like food, uh, in um, agriculture. We're, we're very advanced in our in a level of creativity and uh, willingness to go out there and uh, have a crack at stuff. But we also struggle to ask for help. We, we, as a culture, we uh, uh, believe there's something wrong with us if we can't do it ourselves. So we don't ask for help. So, you know, any culture has its ups and its downs. That's <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah. That's, that that's sounds a little familiar. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> cool. We've met that culture before, right? <laughs> The, the DIY concept is just so interesting to me because it made me think about my dad. Like my dad, he's the type like, oh, if I have a problem, I'm going to go ask my relatives. Mm. Like the, the Hmong culture, that's that's my nationality. It's very community-based. Like, okay, we help each other. There's a problem, yeah. I'll call my uncle. Or let me call my brother or wh whatever. And I feel like I'm kind of that same way too. Like if there's something that I need to like talk out, like the first person I always call is my sister. Yes. Yes. That's yes. just very like interesting to me. But the whole DIY thing too, like I feel like society in US, it's very like DIY, like just figure it out yourself. Like you gotta do it. You're the one that's in charge of this. Be responsible, like the radical responsibility. I feel like that's a whole big thing. And that's mm -hmm. total DIY. Yeah, 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 yeah. I exactly. And that's what I was referring to. <laughs> I was like, yeah. sounds a little familiar for here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But it, it's kind of innovation is the flip side of that fear of failure, isn't it? It's like um, if, you're, if you're willing to go out and be innovative and have, sometimes that's by really challenging yourself because you're scared of failing. Uh, but the, the ability to iterate and be creative and think of all of the options, you know, if you're, you can let go of that fear of failure stuff. And you can just be in that space of, oh, what are all the options? How am I going to do that? What, what could be possible? What else could happen? How could I make it work? Uh, you know, it's a different energy. And, you know, from my perspective, from a body perspective, it's actually uh, yeah, your brain waves and, you know, the delta, theta brain waves that so you can slow down and go out into that creative space as opposed to the, um, you know, I'm terrified that I'm going to get this wrong. And your, your brain waves and the way that you're operating is not no longer facilitating innovation. It's facilitating fear and failure. So it's, it's both things, right? It's like, but getting help from others helps us overcome that fear sometimes and be creative because we can create a lot with other people. But sometimes it's a lot of other people, not just these people I, that's what I think so good yeah no it's you know there's truth in something right there's always truth in everything a little bit yes. and I I do like that um but there's no wrong way to be 
some cultures are this way, some cultures are that way. And all of them have ups and downs and flip sides. And that's why it's like, it's also like, I, I like to ask like, what is your favorite thing that you learned in Australia? Kind of part of being part of that culture for three years. Mm-hmm. What did you learn there that you just like to embrace right now? I think there was a boldness that I really liked in Australia. Like as you say, it's it's we're generalizing, and it's and it's that's just my experience of uh, Australian um, culture. And I think that boldness was. Um, <clears throat> was really amazing because they were willing to just get on and just make things and say what they thought and being very direct, which is really amazing. I really liked that. But coming from New Zealand where perhaps it's a little bit more, less direct (laughs) and a little bit more, you kind of get to how you're going to say something uh, that was confronting at times. Uh, so I learned that uh, there's lots of value in being direct and there's value in uh, how you say things and it's how you create your own conduit between those two things that's you and when do you want to be direct? What's honesty to you? What's the truth to you uh, versus a care for the other person and where their head's at? And, that, you know, to me, that comes back to really listening. Where are they at? What are they thinking? And, and how do I approach this in a way that's going to gel for them? Mm. You, you said once, <laughs> you, you agreed once with my colleague who said uh, that I am, uh, what did she say? Brutally honest. <laughs> and that that brutal honest now when you're talking about it it comes with that boldness right to say your mind yeah but what comes to mind for me sometimes being that way it means almost like I never understood this until I was older people would tell me back home like think before you say things mm-hmm. my brain doesn't work that way my brain does not think about this for an hour or 10 minutes before I speak it, it just comes out. <laughs> so when I was growing up, I realized that it weren't, my brain did not work how everybody was saying I should do it. I'm like, well, obviously there's something different. I'm like, I have a feeling I don't have like a filter, right? I feel like everybody else has like this filter that's built in that they're like considering, is this a good idea? And I'm just like, well, there which in, in time can be bold and brave right but at times it's gonna be like oops yeah. <laughs> so I think I'm like oh that sounds like a good culture for me to try out <laughs> yeah, yeah. but but I also like um you know I, I'm just thinking link, linking back to our previous bit of conversation where we talked about this boldness and this being now and that you know if you're on, on your island and you're in a calm place what is about you know, it's catching ourselves before the thoughts and going, what is this emotion that's coming up for me to need to be bold or say something bold? And from that place of being bold and what I I do know about you, Maria, is that you have a big heart, a very big heart. And it's like, so in your heart, how do the bold and the kind and the beautiful heart go together? And then how does it come out? Oh, that that's, so your, that's your choice. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. 
I have to share this before I let go ask another question. I'm like, you know what else I'm really bold at spending money. <laughs> Here's the funny thing. I've learned that I also like when I want it, I want it and I go buy it, right? And I'm like, wait, what emotion am I buying this from? So this is where I started asking the question that you just said. I'm like, no, I don't ask that question. Like, I don't ask myself anything right before I speak. But I have started asking myself, what emotion am I doing this from? And I want to buy stuff. Because I've noticed sometimes it's like, there's something else there. And it's not just, oh, I want this and it's pure desire. There's some other stuff coming up, which is like totally not this episode. But <laughs> but it's very interesting to observe and to be able to ask that question like, what is the emotion here? Why do I, I actually almost signed up for like uh, somebody who I'm following on Instagram. And I'm like, wait a minute, we have five minutes to podcast. We're not buying this right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. But totally touched the conversation a little bit. Kua, I have a feeling you have a question brewing in there. I do. I do have a question. So I'm curious, are you, now that you've like, immigrated to a different country as an adult do you have like an inkling to do it again somewhere else or would you do it would you be open to doing it again because I feel like me like I didn't have a choice I, I'm here because my parents came here right and I actually do think about like you know what I think it would be so cool if like I just moved my family to Europe to like immerse myself in that culture but then it's so scary at the same time and even for you, Maria, like you came here, like you made the decision to come here. Like, would you move anywhere else? I'll have Christine answer first. I got to think about this. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think it goes back to my point earlier about um, nothing is forever. So I went to Australia and I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, and I thought for a while, I thought I was going to stay there. <coughs> and then I decided. Sorry. Uh, it's, it, it's an iteration in life to move to another country. It's a huge learning curve. Uh, I took so much out of what I do. But to answer your question, I have this, uh, uh, this in front of me right now. My husband uh, spent year, seven years backpacking around the world and he stopped backpacking to live with me and marry me in New Zealand but his family his his three girls and his two grandchildren are in the UK and so now you know how do we approach that so at the moment our plan is three months in Europe uh, during the New Zealand winter because it's not our favorite time of year anyway <laughs> And, uh, and then uh, the other nine months in New Zealand, uh, where, you know, we both enjoy the country and the climate, uh, you know, when it's uh, winter in the UK, we don't want to be there. But we also like Spain. So we're thinking that we will do a triad between a month or two in Spain, a month in the UK, and then back to New Zealand. Now, right now, this, this kind of travel is... Um, we can but it's interesting in the future will we be able to do this kind of travel as easily um, you know there's sustainability things there's all sorts of things around climate change there's things about uh, health issues there's all sorts of things going on so I feel like I just want to 
iterate for the next few years. Maybe for the next two years that will work. And maybe a few years after that, I will may have to make a decision about the UK. But I don't have to make that decision now. I, I make a decision. This is what we're doing now. Yeah. And when it no longer works, I make another decision. And that all be never, no decision is ever a final. It's like, you're going to die. That's final. You don't know when. We don't know the timing. It's the same thing. We don't know the timing of when we're going to get that bit, but we know it's going to happen. It's the only certainty. Everything else is going to be just a bunch of choices. And we, we can have a lot of regret, or we can just take shitloads of lessons. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I'm like, I love that last one. <laughs> no, I mean, I guess if you're human, you're going to have some regrets somewhere, right? Like, like, right? Like, you'll have a little things. I, I like to think that I don't have much regret, but you know, I think being a, having a human brain, that's kind of like one of the things it likes to look for, right? But as far as making decisions and not doing things because I'm scared, I don't. I don't necessarily like those. <laughs> I'm like, that I'm not going to regret. That's going to be one thing that I'm not going to regret. Um, but to answer the same question, to be honest, I have always been attracted to international travel. And it has been like my thing that I've always wanted to travel. Now, how that would look, what capacity? I have no clue. We obviously have little kids. <laughs> We just went back home after 12 years for the first time. So I have a feeling this kind of a journey for us, for as a family, is just starting. It's kind of just going to be beginning of it. And it's going to get interesting because I, on purpose, am choosing um, to enter a career that can be done anywhere in the world, from anywhere in the world. Mm. which is kind of it, it is kind of like a purpose on purpose choice that mm. I have the control of my time and how I do it and where and when so who knows right like we could go anywhere one thing that I did conclude I don't want to go back home and live full time and we've kind of talked about this before I went Ku and I yeah. and I was thinking about it I was really thinking about it but being there was like no I want to come and visit my family but it was no longer to, or like have a vacation home in certain places and, you know, go spend a few months in the summer with kids. And it's a place where I want my kids to experience and I still want to experience it. I just don't want to like, let's say, move and live there. For, and for me. Because you're, right? you're actually making the exact point that you iterated, you went over there, you experienced something, you learned some things, uh, you know what you want more now. So yeah. you can recalibrate on based on knowing that now. Yeah, and I didn't, I did not and know. You can, I didn't you know. Go and live somewhere for a couple of months and see what it's like. I I don't know how my husband feels, but you know, we have in-laws here. So I have my in-laws, his family's kind of here. So I like my kids growing up in that, but I have a feeling like part of me would like let's just live like a few months in this other country in the world. That would be very exciting for me or like a couple of years. I would like to try that out, yeah. but not necessarily at this stage of life. Now, Kula, have you ever thought of moving anywhere else? Yeah, yeah. Like, 
same, like I would love to take summers abroad and it, like being an immigrant, like I feel like I'm just so much more open and susceptible to like other cultures. Like I want to immerse myself in like a whole different type yeah. of thing. Uh-huh. I really love that about each one of us. Like we're so open to other cultures and learning about it and really embracing it and experience the whole thing. And I want that for my kids too, because the world is just so much bigger than where we live. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it truly is. Yeah. There's much up there to experience, but it also, you know, it's a good question for us to ask ourselves as well that um, why am I seeking this adventure? What's really going on? You know, I was, oh, for example, in my example, I was uh, seeking that adventure because I didn't want to feel what I was feeling at work and about having children and not having children and blah, blah, blah. So that sent me on an adventure. So sometimes there's a balance between knowing whether you're seeking to escape where you are as opposed to uh, wanting the adventure. So adventure is the flip side. It's got a 50-50 as well, right? <laughs> it's just really understanding what, you, what you're seeking. But darn it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I just sometimes think it's like everything is 50-50. But, you know, for me, the desire has been since I was like in high school. I knew that was something. And my thing was like, yeah, I was going to be... Um, a tourism major if I stayed back home because that's then I could travel right like I could be a stewardess I could travel I could do something like that because I was not I could not stay in one place that was my thing I wanted to get out but this is something that I've carried over and that I still want to do and I might not have the same kind of itch to get out anymore but the desire to see the world is still there but it is interesting to to have the idea to be like okay so why is this happening what's underneath it is it just a desire to see the world, really? Or is something else? Or am I going to be better if I do it? Am I going to, like, what, do, what, what, what are you making this mean, this whole adventure about yourself? Absolutely. And COVID was a really good example of that because I'd had a few years, um, I've done a lot of travel, and uh, we had a couple of years, my husband and I, where we went to the Amazon, we went to Galapagos, we did uh, a lot of travel in South America, we spent uh, quite a bit of time in Spain and the UK and Scotland and, you know, a whole lot of travel, and then we had two years, uh, three years really, where we did nothing, uh, we, we couldn't really travel, we had one camper van travel in New Zealand, which was awesome too, but um so I had to get to grip with what is this adventure about, you know, and again, really asking myself, uh, you know, if I never have an, an adventure again by traveling, what is my adventure? And it let, led me to really explore what adventure is to me. What is fun? What do those mean actually to, to me? And what, how do I... Um, how do I make sure that my life has plenty of adventure and fun, regardless of travel? Wow. So good. Like, it's so <laughs> thought-provoking. Like, what is adventure to me? Because I do think of it as, like, hopping on a plane and going somewhere. But it yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be that. 
And then yeah. what you said before about like understanding what you're seeking. I don't know why, but that just made me think of that quote, like what you're seeking is seeking you. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh. That's yes. Like, yes. Mind <laughs> I like that too. I like that too. Yeah. Nice. Get a meet on that <laughs> island. <laughs> what you're seeking and what's seeking you. <laughs> nice. Oh, wow. Now, before we wrap up, Christine, do you have anything, any kind of, um, let's say, a tip for our listeners, being an, somebody who's taken an adventure, for somebody who might want to take an adventure, or, you know, maybe even just the adventure of going back home? What kind of a tip would you have for somebody like that? You're a whole person, complete person. You are absolutely made and arrived on this earth. Perfect. Everything uh, that is added to that is what your brain is adding. And, uh, you know, peeling away that to just be whole and make your wholehearted uh, decisions just because you want to, because you want to have a crack, you're going to iterate and explore and find out whatever you want. The only way you're going to find out what it is and get there is to be present now and keep iterating. Just keep iterating. You know, our journey, if if, our, if we're thinking about our journey is 10 years long, then we need to stop rushing. We just need to find our next way of iterating. That's all we need to do because we're not going to solve all our problems in a year. It takes longer. Wow. <laughs> cool. you know how you always say, like, when your heart is full, you know it's good. We can yeah. be done. Yeah. Are you filled up now? This I one just. <laughs> I just feel like I received so much wisdom from you, Christine. Like, thank you. Like a lot of, I just feel really like yeah, like filled up. Like oh my gosh, well things I didn't think about or that other perspective. Like, just that feel good feeling. Like yes, this was awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Absolutely fun. Thank you for inviting me. I enjoyed it very much. It was great to look back on my story. I learned a lot as well as I thought about it and connect it to do what I'm doing now and how I take that forward. It's all a learning curve, right? Yeah. Thank you so much, Christine. And thank you, Kula. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.